The Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Stone and Tile Show. Uh, we tried doing a live show uh, today, but unfortunately it didn't work out. I'm having some technical difficulties, so what I've decided to do is to pre-record this show. So obviously you can't call in because I'm not doing this live, so I decided I'm going to go ahead and pre-record this. All right, before I get started, uh, I do want to mention that I have scheduled the live stone and troubleshooting class in Las Vegas for next year. Uh, that would be January 25th through January 28th. And hopefully this virus issue will be all gone and that's that will go off as planned. So if anyone wants to uh, uh, sign up for that, uh, I limit the size of the class. I invite you to send me an email at fhuston, which is F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com or simply go to my website which is stoneforensics.com uh, I've got to apologize for last week's show apparently I'm having some technical difficulties with this with the uh, service that I'm using for these shows this is a second second week in a row so if anybody had tried to listen to the graffiti show which aired last week i think i only have like 13 or 14 15 minutes of it uh, i've actually written a pretty detailed article on graffiti removal so if you want that article uh simply send me an email and i'll send you the link to my blog which is where i have it listed and you can read all about it and of course if you have any questions you can obviously send them to me as well all right, you know, for this week, in addition to these technical problems that, that we're having here, um, I, I didn't know exactly what I was going to talk about. I didn't have an interview lined up, so I sent out a, a request on Facebook, and one of my listeners actually gave me three topics. I'm going to try to cover all three of those topics here today. We'll see how it goes. The one being grout failures and how to fix them. The second being some tips for polishing the engineered stone materials, and the other one is when to walk away from a job. And I, I have some really great stories when it comes to that as well. So first, let's talk about grout. Uh, now, this is, is a subject that we see a lot of. We see a lot of failures when it comes to grout. And there's some really good reasons for this. But before we can look at a failure and determine what the failure is, we have to go back and we have to determine, first of all, what kind of grout are we dealing with? And grout basically falls into two general categories. Epoxy grouts, which are solvent-based grouts, and then we have Portland cement grouts. And these Portland cement grouts can be broken down into basically two categories, sanded and unsanded. And of course, there's all kinds of polymers. We have pre-mixed grouts. We have, you know, all kinds of different colors. I mean, you've got a whole array of different colors, but primarily we're dealing with those two basic grout types, epoxy grout 
and Portland-based grouts. So first, let's take a look at some of the things that can go wrong with the Portland-based grouts. Of course, they're Portland-based. So what does that mean? That means they set up and they cure very similar to the way Portland concrete will. So if you've ever poured a slab, you've ever poured a sidewalk, uh, you know hydration is extremely important. So a lot of times what I see when I look at grout and I see, for example, powdering grout, where the grout is just falling apart and it's powdered, is generally because it hasn't been hydrated properly. It hasn't been wetted. So a tip for you installers out there is what I would suggest you do is lightly mist your grout. After you finish grouting, take a little garden sprayer and lightly mist it. And if you can do that uh, the next day or two, that will make the grout even stronger because if you look at the way concrete hydrates it needs that water it needs that moisture now this can also be a problem is if you're dealing with an extremely absorbent tile so you know most granite for example or a limestone or even the probably the worst one i've seen is on saltillo you know your typical mexican tiles that they're they're so absorbent that when you go ahead and mix your grout and you apply the grout if that tile is dry, especially if it's bone dry, it wants to wick into the into the surface and it takes away the, the moisture in the grout and you end up with powdery grout. It doesn't hydrate. So my recommendation for those really absorbent materials, if you're using these Portland-based grouts, which are your standard grouts, is to pre-wet your tile. Uh, you know, back in the old days, we used to pre-wet our tile before installing, but we're not going to talk about installing tiles in this show. But for the grout purposes, it would not be a bad idea to lightly mist uh, your tile installation. Uh, and of course, you don't have to do this with porcelain tile and your ceramic tile, but if you're dealing with a very absorbent tile, saltillo tiles, limestones, granites, uh, I would highly recommend that. And you'll notice that your grout will be nice and nice and hard and cure properly. So extremely, extremely important when it comes to those those, those uh, type of issues that you run into with these Portland grouts. So what are some of the failures? I mean, powdering, we just talked about. You can get efflorescence, and efflorescence usually comes from too much water. So, you know, we have a, we, 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 we kind of have a happy medium there of how much water to actually add to the grout. That's why I say lightly miss the grout. But let's say you have a mud bed installation, it's a wet bed, and it's extremely wet. You can get efflorescence that happens there. The good thing about efflorescence when it comes to grout is it's usually temporary. It'll usually happen within a day or two of the installation. It'll disappear over time, or you can lightly clean it away once the grout cures with what we call sulfamic acid. So that's usually not a, a an issue where we have to go in and replace the grout. Obviously, if you're dealing with you know powdery grout, the grout wasn't mixed properly, it was, wasn't hydrated properly, then in that case, you'll want to go ahead and uh, remove the grout and, re and replace the grout itself. Um, you know, I had an interesting story, and I I've told this in my seminar. I think it's probably appropriate to tell it here, but I remember a project I did years ago. I got called in on a big, huge hotel, 70,000 square feet, and this was ceramic tile. And I was hired by the legal team, and the legal team came in and said, We've got an issue with our grout. The grout is half gone. And I kind of hesitated a little bit. And I said, okay, what do you mean by the grout is half gone? And they said, well, half of it's gone. So, of course, they hired me to go in and take a look at it. And sure enough, I go in and I look at this and all the grout is half gone. You could actually see the side of the tile. And when you looked at the depth of the grout between the grout joints, it was half, it was half gone. So, 
all right, so what do we do with this case? I mean, how, how do we determine why this is the case? Well, my first gut reaction, and remember, gut reactions aren't always correct, and in this case, it wasn't, is that they installed part of the grout, they let it cure, and then they came in the next day and, and overlaid grout upon grout. And that doesn't always work because in, in concrete, you get what you call a cold joint. If you're not familiar with that, that's where you take a pour, you wait, you let that dry, you come back the next day and you pour and you end up with a with a joint that occurs there. That's a cold joint. Well, that can happen in grout in the horizontal type position. So if you laid, say, half the grout today uh, and came back the next day and laid the other half of the grout, you could get a cold joint. And what would happen is that top layer would actually peel away. So that's what I thought was going on with this particular grout failure. But I decided I was going to take some samples. I was going to send them out to the lab and have them analyzed to see, you know, if they could determine anything. Well, long story short, lab came back. Everything was fine. The grout that I sampled was nice and hard. So now I left scratching my head. So now my next step in this investigation was to go in and uh, sit there at midnight and see what's going on at night, see if they're doing anything that could be causing this problem. So I basically put on my Bermuda shirt and my Hawaiian shirt, and I sit in the lobby, pretend I'm a tourist, and uh, out comes the cleaning crew. And I think y'all guys know where this is going. And they're dragging a floor machine with a stiff, what we call nylo grit brush on the bottom. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's a brush used for stripping floors. Very aggressive. It's basically nylon with carbide, silicon carbide impregnated into it, you know, somewhere around 80 grit. And they had a vacuum. And they had a, what looked like a bleach bottle with no label on it. And they get set up in the corner there, and I'm sitting there pretending to read my paper. And they pour this bottle of whatever this was on the grout line. They take the floor machine, and they're grinding away. I mean, they actually have the machine healed up so the brush is hitting the grout line at an angle, and smoke is flying. I mean, it is flying. And the second guy is vacuuming it up. So I'm like, okay, now I know what's going on. Let me go and find out what they're using. So I go up to the cleaning crew that's doing this work, and I introduce myself as a tourist. And I said I'm from wherever, Paducah, Kentucky. And uh, I have this bathroom grout in my bathroom. That's just terrible. Man, I'd love to know what you guys are using. And the guy looks at me and says, I'll give you a little secret here. Let me tell you how to get this grout really, really clean. Swimming pool acid. And I said, oh, really? That'll work? He goes, yes, yeah, swimming pool acid. He says, we come out here once a week and we clean this grout really good. And we just get it pearly white. So I said, oh, great. I'll have to give that a try. And off I went. So now I had to go back uh, to the legal department the next day and tell them that they didn't have a case. They couldn't sue the installer because their own cleaning crew was literally cleaning it away case solved. So that, that's just a lesson in, in, in investigation and what you have to do, do sometimes. So so that's where missing grout comes into play. When, when you're looking at missing grout, why is that missing grout gone? You need to, you need to investigate. Uh, another failure that occurs with Portland-based grouts is discoloration. Uh, discoloration can occur uh, a lot of times by not properly, let's say you have a very, very large job and you're not mixing your grout lots together. I mean, just like anything else that, that's man-made, which this is a man-made material, when you have different dye lots that can occur. So what can happen is you can have discoloration 
or I should say you should you will have shade differences with certain types of grout. So you want to take a look at that as well. Um, and there's really no way to do a test other than to ask the right questions. You know, go into detail, ask all the right questions, go back, do some research, see if you can find a bag or a box of grout on the job site, all kinds of different things you, 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 can, you can tell. Okay, so before we move on to epoxy grout, let's talk about how we fix some of these problems. In a lot of cases, the only fix is to dig it out and replace it. Uh, in other cases, uh, you can use what we call a grout sealant or a grout coloring. Uh, grout coloring, uh, there's all kinds of companies out there now doing grout coloring, where you basically go in and color the grout. That'll take care of uh, sealing the grout. It'll take care of any discoloration in the grout. But obviously, it won't take care of powdery grout. So, you know, I always say in my seminars, you have to ask the question, why is this occurring? And until you know the why, it's very difficult to determine the fix, the cure, in other words. So you know, just like going to the doctor, the doctor's going to give you a physical, is going to ask you all kinds of background questions. Uh, you want, you know, you guys are the doctors of this industry. You want to ask those questions. You want to get to the root of the problem. Okay, let's now take a look at epoxy grout. Some of the things that can go wrong with epoxy grout. Guys hate working with epoxy grout. It's a waterless grout. So the curing action is chemical. It's not hydration like we talked about with the uh, Portland-based chemical grouts. So biggest mistake made here is, well, there's a lot of mistakes that are made, but probably one of the biggest mistakes is not thoroughly mixing the two parts together. You know, epoxy grouts are either part A, part B, and a one-to-one, -one, uh, a two-to-one, depending on, on the brand that you're using. And if they're not mixed properly, uh, you can get uh, not curing properly, and the grout can actually become sticky. A second issue that I've seen a lot of, and there's a real easy way to recognize whether this is done, but let me talk about the issue first and I'll tell you how, how to recognize it, is that you mix too much of the grout, the epoxy grout at one time. You mix too big a batch and then you install it. Well, the problem there is, is that these epoxy grouts have an aggregate to them in most cases. And when that it's in a big bucket and you're actually going in and you're using that grout. And if you're not mixing it during the entire process on a periodic basis, the aggregate will settle out. So when it's all done and all the grout is cured, you'll look at it and you'll have areas that look very uh, sandy, if you will. And other areas that look slick. They look really, really shiny. If you see that condition, you know right away What's going on is that they probably mixed too large a batch or they let it sit too long and the aggregate settled out. So you have certain areas that have a lot of aggregate in it and other areas that don't. That's a big problem. Uh, the cure for that, obviously, is to rip it out and replace it. The second issue I see uh, with epoxy grout is not cleaning it up properly. Uh, I've had situations where inexperienced tile installers will go in and they'll treat epoxy grout like they do normal grout and they just, you know, they put it in and they leave the grout smear on the surface and they come back the next day to try to clean it. And guess what? It doesn't clean off very well. So, you know, one thing I can say, guys, if, if you're new to epoxy grout, read the directions, get some training because epoxy grout can be really problematic if you leave it on the surface of the tile very, very difficult uh, to get to get off. So be very, very careful when it comes to that. Another problem that occurs with epoxy grout is it can bleed 
and I guess Portland cement to some extent can can bleed into the tile itself, but I've, I've seen this more with epoxy grouts. Uh, certain epoxy grouts with certain tiles, limestone, I've seen it with limestone, I've seen it with granite, I've seen it with marble, uh, can bleed into the stone. And for this reason, I mean, first of all, there's really no cure for it. If that happens, forget it. You need to tear out the installation, in my opinion. Um, but uh, you need to test it. If you're dealing with a tile that you've never dealt with before and you're going to use epoxy grout, make sure, make sure you test it first. Mix a small batch up, put it on the side of the, the tile, wait a day and see if it bleeds in. If it does, uh, you need to come up with a different different type of grout or uh, sometimes a grout release will work on that as well. So uh, that, that can be a really, really cost, uh, costly mistake. Uh, one of the questions I get with grout all the time is, you know, how do I tell the difference? How, do, how can I go on a job and tell whether I'm dealing with, you know, say, uh, well, let's take, let's first take what the difference is between a, San, uh, a, a Portland-based grout and an epoxy-based grout. There's a very simple test. Basically, you need to take some hydrochloric acid, which is swimming pool acid, muriatic acid, in other words, mix it down about 10 parts of water to one part of acid, and place a small drop on the grout and watch it. If it fizzes and bubbles, you know it's Portland cement. You're probably dealing with a normal grout. If it doesn't, you're probably dealing with epoxy or the grout is sealed. You know, if it's, but it'll usually eat right through the sealer anyway. So that's, that's usually one uh, dead giveaway that you're dealing with epoxy. The other thing to do is ask. You know, find out who the installer is, uh, ask what was specced. If you're dealing with a commercial job, there should be a specification for that. So, you know, extremely, extremely important. Um, some of the cures for these grout issues are obviously replacement, uh, cleaning it with sulfamic acid. Uh, if you have an efflorescence issue, I think I may have mentioned that already. And you can also go into what we call grout coloring or, or grout sealing, uh, which will change the color of the grout. And I'm not going to talk too much, too much about that. So... That's your basic quick and down dirty overview of some of the grout issues that, that you can deal with. Uh, one other I can think of off the top of my head is where the grout actually separates from the tile. You know, a, a lot of companies now are recommending what they call, you know, six-sided sealing where you pre-seal the tile, especially with stone, where you're sealing the bottom, all the sides and the top. And uh, they're, they're doing that so you don't get the efflorescence problem, if you don't get, you know, all kinds of different issues. But the problem you can have, especially if you're using a, a standard grout, is that the grout won't stick to the side of the tile and you'll get a separation. You'll actually see a line that occurs separating the grout from the tile. So if that's the case, you may want to ask the question, uh, did you pre-seal this tile before installing it? All right. I want to move on to the next topic real quick here, and that is uh, polishing some of these quartz surfaces, not quartzite, but some of these engineered quartz materials. And I get a lot of questions and a lot of guys that are out there that uh, really end up uh, not knowing how to do this. And I'm going to give you some quick tips. This won't take long. My first tip is going to be make sure you use a top quality diamond, a diamond that is designed for engineered stone. Now, there's also some systems out there that, are, that have been out there for a while and some new systems that are designed specifically for engineered stone. I would highly recommend, highly recommend investing the money into these systems rather than going out and just using standard diamonds. Because what happens with a lot of these engineered materials is you can get 
really good polish on them, but it doesn't match that factory, that that alligator type appearance on there. And that can that can be an issue with some of these new systems out there. They have uh, powders and abrasives and pads that can actually bring it back to that system. So that that texture so you can actually match it. So I would highly recommend you do that. Before you break out the, the hand machine and you break out the diamonds, though, uh, there's one thing I want you to try. And let's say you have a scratch in the surface. And I've actually done this in my repair seminars. And I'll take a hand, hand microscope and I'll place it over the scratch. And I'll purposely scratch the, scratch the engineered material. And we can look under a microscope and you can see that the quartz in the, in the engineered material is not scratched, but the resin is. So a lot of times the trick I'm about to give you will work. Now it's going to take some hard work and it'll take a little bit of time, but it can avoid you from, from uh, breaking out that hand machine and spending a long, long time with diamonds. And that is take some number two aught steel wool. You can even go finer, but I would start with like a, a zero aught or, or a double aught steel wool. Take some acetone, pour some acetone on that scratch and by hand, not with a hand machine, but by hand, start rubbing it back and forth and do that continuously for several times, pressing really hard, going wet to dry. And you will find a lot of times you'll be able to remove that scratch because what you're doing is you're you're remelting or re-emulsifying the resin. And what you're seeing scratch that you can't see barely with a naked eye is you've scratched the resin and not necessarily the quartz. So that can save you a ton, a ton of problems. Some other tips with refinishing engineered stone is don't use metal bond diamonds. Again, go back to my advice that I talked about a minute ago, which was use diamonds specifically designed for engineered materials. Slower RPMs, lots of water, uh, very much different than doing, doing granite uh, and marble. So be extremely careful. Some of the things you have to be concerned with when going in and refinishing a, an engineered top is that and a lot of manufacturers you will void the warranty. If there's any kind of warranty on that material, you've now voided the warranty by touching the surface unless that repair was approved by, by the manufacturer. So again, extremely important. For those of you guys that are having trouble with that, I would highly recommend you get some training. I know the Stone and Tile School down in here in Florida actually trains on, on refinishing that, and several others do as well. So again, look into that, and I'm sure... Uh, there's going to be a lot of repairs that are going to need to be done over, over, over time. Last thing I want to talk about is when to walk away from a job. And this is really difficult. And this is where I rely on my gut. God, I, I could keep you here all day long with stories upon stories upon stories. But I guess my number one piece of advice would be is ask questions. Make sure you interview your customer. Make sure you know what the customer's expectation is. I can't tell you how many times when I first got started in this business where um, my expectation and the customer's expectation were entirely different. And I, I used to see this a lot, for example, on polishing travertine, where a customer would hire me to come in and polish a travertine floor. I would polish it. It would look great. It would look like a brand new travertine floor. And they weren't happy because it was spotty. And I had to explain to them that, you know, the fillers aren't going to shine and it, it's not cream of Marfil, it's travertine. So 
asking the right questions, asking the customer what they want, getting all of that up front and out of the way and make, and, and this goes for not only your restoration guys, but also you tile installers and you fabricators as well. Discuss all this stuff up front. In other words, you know, you, you want to try to prevent any issues down, down the road. Uh, you know, with slab selection, it's the same thing. You know, a lot of times, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a, a a residence or a commercial, primarily residence, where the customer was unhappy with the way the, the countertop looked because they were shown a little six inch by six inch piece and now the entire slab doesn't look that way. So again, the biggest piece of advice I could tell you is to make sure you discuss everything up front. If you don't feel comfortable and the customer is going to be Quite honestly, you get a gut feeling they're going to be a pain in the ass. Walk away. Tell them I'm sorry. You know, don't lower your price because they say, well, you know, your competitor gave me a better price. That's a mistake I made a long, long time ago. And I, and I, and I made that mistake in my consulting business as well. You don't want to lower your price. Remember, we are, we are, uh, and uh, all apologies to carpet guys out there, but we're not dealing with carpet here. We're not dealing with with vinyl we're dealing with stone and engineered stone we're dealing with a high-end product so you should charge accordingly you know don't be the low baller don't be the cheap guy in town you know be the guy that's, that's going to provide them a quality product a quality service or a quality a quality product all right i think that's all i got for this week hopefully i'll get the technical problems worked out again uh for next week's show i'm going to hopefully have an interview next week again I want to mention that I do have my stone and tile troubleshooting. If you want to learn more about what I've talked about today, as well as a ton of other things we talk about with stone and tile failures, my seminar is the best place to do that. If you can't attend a seminar coming up in Vegas in January, I'd highly recommend the correspondence class. Again, I'm offering that at half price right now. Yeah, the correspondence class is normally $1,500. I'm offering at half price, $750. So make sure... Uh, you give me uh, an email, which is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. So, folks, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, and fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains, Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Toughskin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with the proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Toughskin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F skinprotection.com to learn more. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, MB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net.